This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading today's show. Coming up, we've got technical issues. You think it is? How are these boys even doing this show? Well, Nick is currently Nick is yeah, Nick is voodoo. This is what we're like. We just know what each other's going to say. That's what it is. We're being sympathetic towards Jeff Horn. Yeah, I've got it. Obviously, you've got to feel for that guy. He's, he's missed out. Look at you. You don't give a shit here. You don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm a fight fan. I couldn't care less. I wouldn't want to see Manny Pacquiao fight Jeff Horn. I want to see Manny Pacquiao fight. Terrence what about Crawford. Jeff Horn? This was his big payday, man. This was going to yeah, sort exactly, all of his Christmases yeah. out. Poor Jeff. And as ever, Nick is sitting on the fence when it comes to Adrian Broner. Yes, I ain't going to lie to you. The guy's a cock. <laughs> you know, and he lives up to his name. He is a problem. He mm. is. And, not, and I don't mean that in a cool, he's a problem to, difficult to solve in a boxing ring way. I just mean he's a, he's a problem. He's, a, he's, he's just a dickhead, <laughs> isn't he? So. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Welcome to episode 75 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Hope you are well. Thank you so much for subscribing and downloading our weekly efforts when it comes to chatting about the world of boxing. Um, Now, you might be listening to this show thinking to yourself, they sound absolutely normal, these two lads. They sound like they're sat next to each other. This is the beauty of technology. We're going to, what we're going to do now, we're going to break the fourth wall of the Fight (laughs) Disciples podcast. Normally we wouldn't reveal this shit, but we're going to do this because we've had an absolute nightmare getting this together. Basically, Nick is doing his day job in London. Say hello. Hello. See? From London. See? He sounds like he's next door to me, doesn't he? Sounds like he's next door to me. I'm currently sat in my studio in Manchester. Hey, there you go. Now, however, this is this is where this all kicks off a little bit, right? Because in London, Nick can't actually hear me. I can only hear him. I know this is batshit crazy. <laughs> You think it is? How are these boys even doing this show? Well, Nick is currently Nick is yeah, Nick is voodoo. This is what we're like. We just know what each other's going to say. That's what it is. Nick is currently got his phone headphones on, listening to me down a phone line, whilst we do it normally down the normal podcast line that we that we normally do the show down. But because he can't hear me down the normal podcast line, he's decided to listen to me down the phone. See, mate. No holes barred. We will make this show happen no matter what. You see, we don't get put off by technology. If they say no, we say forget that. We're going to find a way. Let's just hope your missus doesn't ring midway through the podcast. Shit, mate. Shit, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's bath time. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, let's get straight down to it, mate, because there's been quite a lot going on in the world. Obviously, last week you pointed us in the direction of Robert Easter Jr. He did the business. However... It took him a little bit longer than I expected him to take. I'll be honest with you. I expected to put this kid away quite quickly. He did get three knockdowns, but they rolled later on. Nine, 10, and 11, I think they came. Um, but then ended up getting himself a unanimous decision. And then, one thing that I absolutely love, as I've said to you on many occasions when we do this show together, mate, call somebody out. I'll tell you what, he had a list, didn't he? He had a Christmas he list. He was sat there going, right, who's got a belt? Okay, we'll have you, 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 and you. Terry Flanagan's name was on the name. Bring that bugger to Manchester. Let's have it. 
Yeah, he was. He was calling everyone out. And good on him as well. You know, that's what the game's all about. And I don't know if it was the occasion got him a little bit. Obviously, you know, it was back home in Toledo, Ohio. First ever world champion out of that city, out of that town. So it was obviously a big moment for him. Dad in the corner, friends and family. You know, a lot of people probably school friends and everything. I, you know, I'm trying to play devil's advocate for him here because he was slightly... You know, uh, not quite, didn't quite live up to expectation. When you look at Lewis Cruz, mm. the challenger, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, I think his, his last six, he'd lost three of his last six. And, you know, he's probably ranked fringe top 100. Uh, uh, lightweight, so it was very much a, a very much a, a voluntary defence for Robbie. Yeah, it's a coming out party, isn't it? It's a coming out yeah, party. It's exactly. like, hey, look at us. You know what I mean? We're all. Go- I'm going to nail this guy, and then we're all going down uh, Hooters later on for a little bit of a bit exactly. of a party, aren't we? Exactly. Listen, I don't know about you, but I just couldn't take my eyes off soft shite Adrian, Adrian Broner in the corner wearing that, <laughs> wearing that terrible shirt what with like f- the gold links around he had his some neck. Some fucking rascals on, didn't he? Absolute rascal gear. Unbelievable! What the hell is he wearing? But I couldn't take my eyes off him because he. Literally, he's, he's ringside because Adrian Broner was obviously the, the promoter of this event as well. Mm. He's ringside, and yet he's he's stood up through the entire event mm. with some big, you know, some big jelly donut eating motherfucker standing next to him. Like, and I was thinking, if I'd paid a couple of hundred dollars to sit in, you know, row number two, I don't care who you are, I'd have been fuming. Absolutely, man. Yeah, we're going to be speaking about Broner a little bit later on. And speaking of jelly donuts. He's obviously got weight issues, which we're going to be speaking about a little bit later on in the show because Bronner, yes, he was promoting last weekend. He's back in the ring this weekend. He looked massive. Even just on TV, he looked massive. Mm. looked like a bodybuilder. I think that's the shirt, mate. It's the shirt. Yeah. And wearing sunglasses indoors, dickhead. What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Honestly, we will get to all that a little bit later on the show. Yeah. But, but listen, Robert Easter Easter did what he, showed, to, yeah. he showed flashes down the stretch. You know, he... he, he to be honest, Cruz, let's be honest, Cruz did well to survive the last three rounds. Yeah, you did. know, he was all over the place, on the floor, saved by the bell a few times. I think Easter's the real deal. One little note, a little mental note I made watching him. And listen, I know he's still a little bit raw. I know he's got some improvement to do. But Easter reminded me of Thomas Ernst. Mm. Massive, big, long, that big forehead. Even looks even, like him. F- yeah, f- facially, I mean. it looks like him as well. He does the way he moved around. Well, it's because his hairline's so far back. <laughs> it just reminded me of Thomas Haynes. But he's got that big, long arms as well. Like, and you think there's not much of him. He looks quite long and wiry. But he obviously packs a dig. Like, you know, he can obviously put people away. His record speaks for itself. Mm. So, but uh, but yeah, I was a little bit a little bit disappointed he didn't get him out of there. But as you said, once he got on that mic and started rocking everyone, even calling out our boy Garcia as well, I thought yes. That's what we want, though. That's what mm. we want. We want an undisputed champion. Like, in every weight class, we want these guys to get out there and be brave and unify these things. No, absolutely. Well done, Robert Easter Jr. Did what he uh, well, he was supposed to do. And wasn't ho- the start of the show, though, was he? Oh, well, I was going to say. Let's talk he about the, the start, start of the, of the show. show. Let's talk about the geezer that Ricky Atten's been training, basically in the exact same mode as Ricky Atten. It exactly. basically could have been him fighting, couldn't it? ZZ Top. <laughs> Zanet Zakianov. Uh, the new WBA bantamweight world champion. He, he had to get off the deck as well, man. He was down in the third, wasn't he? But he got up, he did the business, and uh, got himself, um, obviously, a world title, but more importantly, a world title for uh, Ricky Hatton, first one of him as a trainer. Yeah, incredible for Ricky, obviously. I was, uh, he must be absolutely delighted, but he's put a lot of work in. We, we, you know, as British fight fans, we know... What Ricky Hatton was as a champion, as a fighter, you know, we all absolutely adored him. Then, unfortunately, we all kind of watched 
somewhat perversely when he had his troubled times and fell out with his family and, you know, had some issues in his private life and everything else. And just to see him now, to pull it all back together and, you know, the, the news out of that camp is that he's really got himself, he's fell back in love with boxing again. He was determined to produce a world champion and to do it so soon. And under these circumstances as well, because make no mistake, ZZ went out there as a massive underdog. Rasheed mm. Warren is a big star around that area. You know, he, he's an Ohio boy, three-time a, a Team USA Olympian, you know, a real superstar and, uh, you know, for ZZ to go there and do a number on him the way he did, especially in the fashion that he did, you know, climbing up off the floor a couple of times when it looked like the fight was over, let's be honest. Broner and the rest of those goons, they're all jumping round at ringside, throwing the belt in the air, and they're standing on chairs and all kinds and singing and dancing. And I was thinking, it's only the end of the first round, you know, this kid looks cheek tough, and if you haven't got him out of there now... You know, and, and, and such was the, that's how it kind of turned out. I give I give Warren the first two rounds, but after that, you know, you pick pick two more rounds throughout the entire fight. I think I maybe give him the the sixth round and then maybe the the, the tenth. But other than that, it was all easy. He was just completely overwhelmed. I mean, the kid just wouldn't be stopped, would he? That's the key word, isn't it? Overwhelmed him, man. It was just pure relentless pressure. Just a bit a bit like that guy that trains him. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what exactly. it was like, wasn't it? Because that's what we love Ricky Atten for. He was front foot constantly, and he would be on the chest of an opponent. I know that everybody refers to Costas in fight, but that's exactly what it was like. He was on the chest constantly, chucking yeah. digs in, and he, like you just said, he overwhelmed his opponent. Great effort. To, to be honest, he reminded. Funny you should say that. He reminded me more of Costas too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than Ricky and obviously Ricky, you know, we're talking about two pressure fighters here, obviously. But Ricky's Ricky will always have that bit, you know, where he where he, where he, when he's walking towards him, he, he used to push his glove back onto both hands. Yeah, that was pure Ricky Hatton, like a weird tick that he had. But also that that step to the side and throw the body shot, that was pure Hatton. But this guy, he just reminded me of Costa too. His his footwork's just relentless. He, he just doesn't give you an inch. And I think that was the problem. I think Warren teed off on him early on. Thought the fight was done. Next thing you know, he's in the middle rounds and he's in the trenches and he just couldn't get his shots off he just couldn't find the space to get his shots off I thought the referee was I'm the other way I thought the referee favoured Warren because Warren was doing so much holding in there yes ZZ was coming in a little bit with his head but that was only because he was trying to put his head on Warren's chest he's a pressure fighter he wants to get up close and rough the kid up I didn't have any issues with ZZ's head at all what I had issues with was Warren's holding Constant holding throughout the second half of the fight. I thought he was lucky not to lose a point. And when that when the scorecards get read out, and one of them was about by about four or five rounds, because I I had ZZ winning by one or two. Mm. I didn't have it as wide as uh, as the t- as Steve Bunsen them on Box Nation. I had it a bit closer. Than I had ZZ by about one or two. When I had one of the guy had it by four or five rounds, I thought, oh, you know, they've done a number on me. Warren's got the decision, but uh, and and. It, and the footage proved Ricky Hatton was as surprised as anyone, wasn't he? I think Ricky must have thought it had gone as well when that final judge's scores got read out. But listen, regardless of the scores, regardless of all that, I think the right kid came away with the world title belt. Absolutely, man. Um, you mentioned Broner a couple of times in the jumping up and down ringside. We're going to be speaking about him very, very shortly uh, because he's taking on one of his mates this weekend, Adrian Granados. We'll be talking about that a little later on in the show. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then. What is going on with Manny Pacquiao? So I thought it was signed, sealed and delivered. April 23rd, I thought we were all off to Brisbane. He's on his world tour, his farewell tour. He's saying goodbye to everybody, fighting some geezer that nobody's ever heard of. A fella called mm-hmm. Jeff Horn. That's what I thought was happening. However, 
There's been a few cat amongst the pigeons being thrown in there this week. Um, yeah. Manny himself has gone to his own social media to say, hey, guys, who do you want us to fight? And he's put a list of four fighters on that particular list. Jeff Horn is on there, of course. I yeah. thought it was going to be happening in Australia. There's rumours that now we're off to the Middle East, the United Arab Emirates for this particular fight. Um, this has not come from Bob Arum, his official tr- uh, promoter. It's come from Michael Conks, who is working alongside, in his own words. He's been doing the negotiations out in the Middle East. Um, I don't know what the crack is with this, mate. What do you think here? Well, <clears throat> to be honest with you, it's, it sounds weird because obviously Bob Aaron and, and Pacquiao have worked together forever. You know, and whenever Bob Aaron spoke about Manny Pacquiao, it seemed to be like gospel. So the fact that Manny's now turned us back on this, I don't know whether an opportunity is coming from the Middle East that Manny's, you know, financially couldn't turn down. That wouldn't surprise me at all because, you know, when I first heard that Manny was going to go to Australia and fight Jeff Horn, I was thinking, which sugar daddy's, you know, backing yeah. that one? Who's putting the money into that one, really? Because, you know, you wouldn't necessarily associate Australia and certainly Jeff Horn as being the type of person that can pull in big numbers. So, uh, and then obviously when I see Manny's post about fighting in the UAE, as soon as I seen that, I knew Khan was going to get the most votes. Yeah. I knew people would want to see Khan. More, more, if no other reason, Khan's huge in the UAE. He spends a lot of time in the Middle East. You know, he's, he spends a lot of time around that area. Makes Dubai sense. and everything If else. you're going to fight so, there, it makes sense to fight him. Exactly, because he's a draw out there. So, uh, you know, the, the way things are looking now, you know, I'd be very surprised if Khan doesn't get it. You know, personally, I, as soon as i seen it, I, I, initially I thought I'd love Kel Brook to get that fight. Um, from a fight fan perspective, wow, imagine Manny Pacquiao versus Terence Crawford. I think that's a... I think, I think Crawford and Kel Brook are the tougher fights. You know, I've not seen enough of Jeff Horn to know what the fuck... Well, you know, what kind of a fighter he is, to be totally honest with you. Mm. And Amir, you know, I think Amir, the narrative's there, the whole story's there. They trained together with Freddie Roach. They used to spar together. There's obviously a bit of needle there. Manny, as uh, you know, he's, he's had to sit back and listen to Amir Khan to call him out quite a lot since he left Freddie Roach's gym. He's been calling for Manny fights. So, uh, to be honest, right here, right now, it, that's the one that makes the most sense. Surely that's the one that makes the most money. And surely, for, aside from Jeff Horn, as I say, that's got, the easier fight for Manny Pacquiao. You've got to feel for Jeff Horn, though, man. He's, he's oh, been yeah, in camp, time. he's training. I know that he's a part-time teacher, is the fella, but he's been in camp, he's training. Everybody's yeah. thinking, fucking hell, you're fighting Manny Pacquiao. 23rd of April in Brisbane. This is going to be absolutely awesome, mate. And then next thing you know, via social media, he hears that he's off to UAE. Okay, not that big, much of a big bear. Probably pisses him off a little bit because he wants to fight in front of his own fans. That would be amazing. But he'd yeah. go to the Middle East for this particular fight. Now, now, he believes that his position's up for tender. He's, he's on yeah. his way out and he's fourth in line. Jeez, man, that's a big kick in time. the nuts. Big time fourth in line as well. I don't think there's anybody outside of Australia that wants to see Manny Pacquiao fight fight Jeff Horn. Let's be totally honest. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've got it. Obviously, you've got a feel for that guy. He's, he's missed out. Look at you. You don't give a shit here. You don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm a fight fan. I couldn't care less. I wouldn't <laughs> want to see Manny Pacquiao fight Jeff Horn. I want to see Manny Pacquiao fight. Terrence what about Crawford. Jeff Horn? This was his big payday, man. This was going to sort <laughs> yeah, exactly, all of his Christmases yeah. out. Poor Jeff. Poor Sorry, Jeff, Jeff, indeed, man. You know what I mean? Back to the school, mate. Back to the teaching maths and algebra. I apologise to you, mate. But man, at, the very had a least, at the very least, hopefully they get Jeff on the undercard. Oh, yeah. What a, what a <laughs> wonderful, like, uh, sort out that is for Jeff. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jeff, you had the big time, but I'll tell you what. Is it, look what you could have won. It's like bullseye. <laughs> take it back, lads. Take, take the speedboat back. <laughs> Poor kid, mate. Um, speaking of Terence Crawford, 
He's a mate of ours on social media now. He's a lad, isn't he, eh? Yeah, your, he is. your face lit up like a bloody Christmas tree there, didn't he? Eh? When, Terence is, when Terence is on board, when he's part of the Fight Disciples. One of the boys, isn't he? One of the lads. You know what I mean? You'll be t- I bet you direct message him, you won't you? I bet you already have. I bet, you, I bet you've messaged him, haven't you? I'm going to check our feed, see if you have. I messaged him and said, Lamy's going to get you. Lamy's going to get you. Jess and Sosa's going to get Lamy first, mate. He's going to come for a minute. But we'll get to that when uh, a little bit closer uh, to the time of that particular fight being made. You just mentioned um, Kel Brook's name, yeah? In the mix for that Manny Pacquiao fight. Now... Yeah. You know what I mean? We are cynical on this show, and, and last week we were pointing out, obviously, with the with Miguel Cotto waiting for an opponent and the delay regarding the Errol Spence uh, negotiations. You, we we did. We said it. Eddie Hearn was trying to negotiate an alternate route for uh, his, uh, his Kel Brook, i.e. Miguel Cotto. Now you're insinuating that he might uh, jump at the chance and ask for another week delay to see if he can get him a fight with Manny Pacquiao. I guarantee as soon as, like like all our little eyes lit up when we seen that tweet from Manny, I guarantee Eddie Haynes' little eyes lit up as well. And uh, I will be very, very surprised if he hasn't uh, put Errol Spencer's team on the hold, on call holding, and jumped on the phone to Bob Adam and just said, oh, this tweet, this tweet then, come on, talk to me. Because you know, obviously that's it. Manny Pacquiao is a bigger fight, so makes more money. The, of course, it does. Where we're at, the, what I'm hearing at this moment in time regarding Kell Brook, uh, Earl Spence. Obviously, people will have seen Kell Brook on Twitter say, "Listen, I don't vacate. I'm not getting rid of me bell. Uh, me bell. I'm going to fight me mandatory. Earl Spence, you're next, my man." That's been said on social media. It's been said. However, we know that money talks, and that could change, of course. Um, so what I'm hearing, third of June, Bramall Lane. Everything is near enough done by the signature of a contract. Good. I think I just think the thing with Kelly is obviously we, we spoke about him jumping up two weights. I'd have been quite happy to see him move up one weight and and stay at one weight above. But mm. you know, I know he's he's done well with this. I you know the IBF welterweight champion. You know, and uh, it, it's nice to hear a guy say you know I, I don't give up belts. You know, I'm coming back to defend he's it. Crap, he's worked hard to get it, man. Keep of course it. he has. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I. But I, I'd like to have seen him go to one five four because he, you know, he didn't disgrace himself against Golovkin. I think there's a lot of opportunities up at one five four as well. But uh, you know, because we're under the impression that it's it's tough for him to do one forty seven. You know, it's not mm. a walk in the park, and he's been doing one forty seven for a long time. I think the only reason now he comes back down is to get this mandatory out the way with Spence. And then he's got to get a unification fight. He's got to move forward. Mm. It's no good coming back to defend it and then jumping back up a weight division. He's, he's got, got to beat Spence, man. Spence is mustard. I, I, he's I good. I completely agree. Yeah, it's a really tough fight. It's a great fight, in fact. Never mind a tough fight. It's a great mm. fight. I'm looking forward to it. Mm. But, uh, but you know, obviously, Kel's moving back for a reason. And it's fighting Errol Spence can't be the be and end all of that reason. There's got to be a bigger picture. Mm. It's got to be, I'm coming back to fight Spence because it unlocks this welterweight unification fight or this fight. Not, I'm coming back just to get me mandatory out the way, and then I'm going to jump back up to to 154. You know, no, absolutely, and that now then obviously leaves Miguel Cotto. If if we're not negotiating for the man Kel Brook, who else wants Cotto? Well, I'll tell you who else wants Cotto. I'll tell you who else has thrown his hat in the ring. Juan Manuel Marquez. He's 43 years of age. He's not been in the ring for three years, but he fancies another pop at the cherry. What we are, <laughs> what we were hearing, is that this fight was being muted. Originally for for Cotto's final year, well, everybody knows that this is it for Cotto. He's going to have three fights, I think he said, and then he's going to, he's calling it a day. Marquez was originally 
the the first choice for his his fight that's just fallen through with Kirkland. Um, but there was an issue over weight. Now Cotto wants to fight at one five five. Yeah. Uh, Juan Manuel Marquez wants to fight at no higher than one four seven. So what's changed, man? Do you think it's money? Do you think he's gone? Fuck it, I'll go up to one five five because Miguel. I'll tell you something. Miguel Cotto ain't changing his mind. No, definitely not. I think uh, you know Marquez to come back now after all this time off. He's only going to come back for something like this. Come come back for a super fight. What is he a, a four time world champion? Mm. Um, it's a fight that's been spoken about before, as we know, and. Uh, it's just, I just hope it comes off. You know, I just hope it comes off. I think that's the only way Marquez is going to end out, end all that time out of the uh, out of the ring is for a big super fight like this with Cotto. I think if I was Team Cotto, I'd jump at this fight rather than a Kell Brook fight anyway, uh, because Marquez again, you know, it's all about money. It's going to generate more money. It's more than likely going to be a pay per view, even though Marquez has been out for a long time. And uh, you know that's it's it's got HBO pay per view written all over, and let's be honest. Mm. Other news that's uh, been going on in the world of boxing this week, uh, people will have seen that one of my favourite fighters of all time, the undefeated Joe Calzaghe, has applied for his manager's license. It's been granted uh, by the British Board of Boxing Control, um, and he's gone into the world of management, signing up two lads already, Joe Cordina and Josh Kelly. Um, well done, Joe Calzaghe, for uh, taking the next step in his career. And to be fair, mate. Not a surprise, because if anybody followed Calzaghe's career, I mean, I followed it closely because I love the kid. Uh, yeah. At the back end of the career, he broke away from promoters and decided to do it all himself. So yeah. it, it doesn't really surprise me that he's having a sniff around management or even promoting or anything like that. The only thing I, I worry for regarding fighters that have managers, then different promoters, then different trainers, it could become a little bit confusing. There's too many cooks in that camp. You know what I mean? It's always nice to just keep it as, as minimal as possible. But we're talking about Calzaghe. You know what I mean? Unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's great, obviously, having Joe back in the sport. You know, it's uh, <clears throat> he was another one that had an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal career. Um and it's it, you know we we need people like this back in the sport, more of a manager. You know I'd probably consider him a bit more of a mentor for these guys. Yeah, you know is. for for the likes of these young Olympians, Cordina and Kelly, to have someone like Joe Calzaghe advising you and guiding you, that's phenomenal. You know I think they've both obviously signed with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn, and Eddie Hearn's a great promoter. And you know if Eddie Hearn's your manager, that's great. I think but for these guys to get that special attention, to get every opportunity. You know, it makes sense to bring in a manager with Joe Calzaghe's kind of knowledge as well because Joe Calzaghe can open doors. Eddie Hearn can't do everything for you. Eddie Hearn's job is to promote a fight when you've signed to fight. That's his job. Joe Calzaghe as a manager, is to his job is to negotiate with Eddie Hearn for better fights, to be mm. involved in who you're going to be fighting next, to be involved in your, adv- your sponsorships and your advertising and guiding your career and making sure your training camps are going well. That's where Calzaghe's strength will come in. And obviously, uh, you know, he's got so much to offer the sport. And again, you know, imagine being uh, Joe Cordina now. So what a setup he's got now. He's working with Tony Sims yeah. as his coach. He's got Joe Calzaghe as his mentor he's slash well, he's manager. Wel- he's Welsh as well, isn't he? Joe Cordina, I'm sure, yeah. is Welsh. So, you he know is, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He'll, obviously, is, yeah. he'll idolise Calzaghe himself. Oh, completely. Oh, completely. You know, you'd be surprised if Cordina's only a young lad, so you'd be surprised if coming up it was Calzaghe that inspired him to go boxing. Yeah. I'll I, I guarantee it. So, uh, you know, Kelly's, Kelly's from Sunderland, I believe. Uh, but both obviously, uh, you know, good kids. I think, so, I think I might be wrong. I think Kelly's signed with Adam Booth, another yeah, great right. trainer. Yeah, yeah. So you got great trainers, great management, 
great promoter. These kids are doing it right. This is this is how it should be done. Mm. You mentioned Eddie Hearn's name there. Uh, last week we were taking... Well, not taking the piss. That's the wrong way of looking at it. We were talking, obviously, about um, Eddie being, uh, let's just say, a little bit canny when it comes to Luis Ortiz and, uh, and keeping him away from AJ. Um, there's been a little bit of development on that. We told you last week that Luis Ortiz uh, is now the number two with the WBC after Povetkin was uh, kicked out of the rankings after all his drug failings. Obviously, Bermain Stavern um, is number one with the WBC, but we know that Luis Ortiz is obviously the WBA mandatory to the AJ and Klitschko fight does get extremely confusing this, but he is also highly ranked as well with the IBF. The guy's got avenues, let's just say. Um, Stavern's come out and said that he's not interested in fighting Luis Ortiz. No shit, Sherlock, because he hits like a fucking rocket. You know what I mean? (laughs) Absolutely, you don't want to fight him. Um, But it might not be your say. The WBC might mandate that fight, number one or number two, for an eliminator for a shot at Deontay Wilder. Stavern's argument is that he believes he doesn't need an eliminator because Povetkin pulled out after all the drug stuff. He believes that he deserves a straightforward shot at Deontay Wilder. Well, it don't work like that, mate, because you've been popped for drugs as well, you clown. I was just going to say, yeah, exactly. So get in the mix... Fight Lewis, best man wins, then you get to take on Deontay. Simple, isn't it? It is It is that simple, yeah. I completely agree, except the vein knows what the rest of us know, and that's Ortiz. <laughs> the big could Cuban well be wax. The, <laughs> it could be the sleeping giant of this heavyweight division, you know. He could be the most overrated guy in the division. Yeah, could be. Or he could be the most avoided guy in the division for a reason. And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, as soon as he signed with Mashroom, he's been put on a collision course for the WBC belt and away from, uh, you know, the golden boy of British boxing. That does not surprise me at all, and that kind of makes me believe that uh, Ortiz may well be the real deal. So, unfortunately, Mr. Stavain, you ain't going to get a shot at that WBC belt without fighting Lewis Ortiz, mm. so put up or shut up, brother. The thing is, as I just mentioned there, he is highly ranked, obviously, um, Ortiz in IBF and WBA, mandatory for the WBA, of which... Anthony Joshua is fine for both of those belts yeah. uh, in April. There ain't a cat in hell's chance that, he, that he's going to be allowed to go down those avenues. It has to be WBC for uh, Team Matchroom, surely. But Stavane lost to Deontay Wilder anyway. so And he's only had one win since. Mm. A points win since. So, you know, at the end of the day, he's not really laid claim for his, you know, a second shot at the title. It's not like the Wilder fight was a split decision or anything. He lost convincingly as far as I remember. So... He's got to, uh, you know, he's got to go away and uh, and earn it. And the way to earn it is run through Ortiz. But if if you're trying to dodge and weave your way to a title shot at this level, at this at this stage in his career, says everything about where Stavane actually thinks he is in the division. If you think you're ready to beat Deontay Wilder, then you shouldn't be afraid to fight in uh, Ortiz. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Characters like Broner polarise boxing audiences. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick up for the guy today, you know. I thought that when we were maybe planning this show and thinking about Broner's comeback on the 18th, I thought, you know something, I'm just going to give the guy tons of shit because of everything that happens outside the ring. I am going to be one of those guys that forgets everything that goes outside the ring. I'm going to forget that he's pulled guns on people and got himself in all sorts of bother at bowling alleys and all this type of stuff. I'm going to forget it. Because what I'm going to do, I'm just going to remember a four-division world champion, former four division world champion, obviously, uh, and a guy that entertains. And that's the key word because you will have seen on our social media this week, if you follow us, at Fight Disciples on all formats, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, you'll have seen that I I threw a little bit of a post up there regarding Prince Nazim Ahmed. Now that guy was my inspiration. That's the guy that made me fall in love with boxing. I liked it, don't get me wrong, I liked it, 
But when Naz came along and he were punching the heads off uh, skeletons in a graveyard on his walk in, when he <laughs> when he wound up Kevin Kelly, we had twenty minute walk in that HBO told him to whittle down to ten minutes. You know what I mean? And Kevin Kelly's on the top rope, I mean, yelling at him, get your ass in the ring. All that type of stuff, all that showmanship when he's coming in on the magic carpet. I loved all that. That was the, the moment that boxing transcended into my living room. Naz did that. Entertainment, showbiz. And with all due respect, Broner has a go at all that. Coleman is there, rapping on the way into the ring. He is a bit of a showman. He's gold teeth, he's big chains, all that type of stuff. And to be fair, the kid can fight when he can be asked. Yeah, yeah he, he can. He can do a bit. So I'm going to stick up for the kid because I'm glad that he's back. I hope he's, let's just say, on the straight and narrow because I genuinely believe he could he could be a real force at 147 pounds. And I say that because of this, Nick. I don't know if you've caught this. This fight with his mate, Adrian Granados, was originally scheduled for 142 pounds. They had mm-hmm. a catch weight because he's had a bit of problems at 140 pounds as Adrian. He's missed it a couple of times. You'll be fully uh, aware uh, yeah. that he was stripped to the belt. Um, yeah. On the scales against Ashley Thea Payne. Um, now, he's they, they because he's friends with Adrian Granados, I think they've got away with this a little bit more. It was scheduled for £142. They've had a little bit of a, listen, Adrian's been sick. Broner, that is. He's been sick. Can yeah, we yeah. can we, can we we stick this up now to, uh, to £147? Can we stick it up to £147? So they've agreed it. He's now fighting this fight. Uh, well to wait. What do you make of that, mate? Is it? Is, I mean, you've even said right at the start of this show that you thought that when you saw him on the TV last week, he was looking big. He looked massive, yeah. He looked massive. And, uh, you know, the fact that this is happening, the fact that he's moving the weight divisions, you know, two weeks before and it's in Ohio, so it's probably a sellout anyway. It's just, I don't know, it, it just sums Broner up for me. You know, I know you're defending him there and everything else, and I agree. You know, four t- four weight world champion, you can't Mate, if knock you that. Think you know, he's a, if you quality. think he's a dickhead, but he's a cock. you tell me. He's a, he's a cock. <laughs> yes, I ain't gonna lie to you. The guy's a cock. You know, and he lives up to his name. He is a problem. He mm. is, and not. And I don't mean that in the cool. He's a problem to difficult to solve in a boxing ring way. I just mean he's a, he's a problem. He's a, he's he's just a dickhead, <laughs> isn't he? So, I've got no time for Adrian Broner. I think he's an absolute tool. And, uh, you see, that's the beauty of it, though, because there'll be so many people that listen to our show, right? And you're either one or the other. There's no grey area. You can't no. ju- you can't just go, yeah, he's all right. Nobody no, does that with Broner. You either go, I fucking love him, or you absolutely despise him. And that's it. That's what I kind of yeah. like about him as a character, because he does polarise the audience. Man, I wanted Ashley Theophane to knock him out so much when they fought. <laughs> I really did. Last, year, last spring, wasn't it? Last spring. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I just, you know, he's obviously doing well for himself, Broner. You know, as we know, he's a promoter now as well. He was, he was ringside for the for the fight last weekend, and you know, he's obviously doing his thing in Ohio, and people uh, clearly love him because they're they're turning out in droves for his events when he boxes and when he promotes. So he's obviously doing something right, but it's just the way he carries himself, isn't it? You know, it's everything that it's, I just can't relate to him whatsoever. And it, I find that I find that difficult. Let me let get... me t- let me tell you a story then about Broner then that might change your mind, right? And it's regarding his opponent this weekend because his opponent he's fighting Adrian Granados, his mate, the best mates, real good mates, yeah, yeah. and they formed a friendship through obviously sparring in the gym. I think they've done over a hundred rounds with each other, like proper rounds, so they know each other's game inside and out. So it could be an absolute crackerjack, or it could be a bit of a dull boy fest. Well, it could weekend. be it could be a twi- it could be a, a public twelve round sparring session. Yeah, it could be. Um, but the reason why they are so close and why they've all come together as, as, as top friends is because there was a fighter by the name of Ed Brown um, who was coming up the ranks in America. I think he was 20 and 0, and he got himself into some bad situations at Ed Brown in Chicago. He ended up getting shot. 
He's been shot, well, multiple times. I think eight times now the kid's been shot. And obviously, on the eighth occasion, he sadly lost his life. But on the first time that he was shot, um, Granados was in absolute pieces. And it was Broner that reached out to him. It was Broner that comforted him. It was Broner that took him in. It was Broner that nursed him through, obviously, the loss of his friend. And they became close friends off the back of it. So there is an empathetic side to the dickhead. There is an empathetic side somewhere. There's a heart in there somewhere, Dicky boy. He's an all right kid. Forget the gold teeth and the glasses indoors. He's, he's a big pussycat deep down. Well. <laughs> You're not having it, are you? I'm not having it, no. I think he's a dick. I still think he's a cock. <laughs> Was it one of your greatest moments when Maidana absolutely bingoed him through the ropes? Exactly, exactly, you know, and uh, I was delighted when Maidana spanked him the way he did because it just put him back in his box a little bit and... Uh, you know, I know Broner thinks he's the second coming of Floyd Mayweather, but Floyd Mayweather, he ain't. Mm. You know, he ain't, he ain't got the same swag. He certainly ain't got the same skills. You know, as a, as a boxer, he, he can't be denied. As a four weight world champion, as I say, the, the kid cannot be denied. But do you think he's lost his way? He's just has a he lost head, it? Isn't he? Well, that's it. Well, has he lost his he way? Because he's talented. He's so talented and he's so good. Do you reckon all the fame's gone to his head and he just became a bit of a bell end? But oh, completely, completely. Yeah, and that's why he fell out with Mayweather, isn't it? You know, yeah. he fell out. He, he seems like one of them characters that characters that just falls out with everybody. On a routine on a routine basis, he's probably surrounded by goons yeah. that he's known for five minutes. He's, yeah. He probably hasn't got a real friend in the world, but he's probably put himself in this situation himself. You know, he he wants to be the superstar. He wants to swan about like a multi-millionaire. I think his promotional company is called the Billion Billion Dollars or whatever it's called. About billions, the, about billions. About billions. It's called, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, I don't know why he's called it that because it ain't ever going to make billions. It's just fucking nonsense. Well, it's a play on his name, isn't it? A B. <sighs> Adrian Broner about billions. That's what he thinks it is. Yeah. About bullshit. About bullshit. That's about it. bullshit. Yeah. About bullshit promotions. Yeah. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But listen, you know, all good and well that he's given us given us mate Granados some work this weekend, and he's given him a high profile fight. And you know, it, they, they, if, if if I'm correct, they're actually topping the bill that features a genuine world title fight, which for me is a much better fight anyway. Mm. But Broner Granados, it goes to one of two ways and it, it will sum up Broner's personality. He will either carry him because he's his, he's his mate and they'll go through 12 rounds and Broner will just turn it on when he wants or he'll show his two colours and when the bell goes, he'll do, the, he'll do a number on the kid. Hopefully the latter. One thing that has come out of all <laughs> of this, that has come out of all of this is there was obviously rumblings that Broner would be fighting Ricky Burns at some point, yeah? Yeah. All this weight nonsense, um, and obviously him struggling to make 140 now, I think puts this to bed, mate. With him scrambling for 147, we're not going to see Broner and Ricky Burns fight. No, but we could see we could see Broner versus Kell Brook fight. I knew that would come in there. Look at you. You're, you're trying like to that. avoid Errol Spencer every bloody opportunity you, aren't you? <laughs> 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 to be fair, I would actually love to see that fight. Yeah. I think, I think it's a great fight. Well, I, well, just pure on size... I think Kell will absolutely spank the living daylights out of him. I think it's a great fight, to be honest with you. I really, you know, as much as a, as much as he's a dick, I do like Broner. When he's on, when he's on, Broner's Broner can be mustard. <laughs> he's a lovable dickhead. <laughs> he is, yeah. He, he is exactly. <laughs> uh, this weekend, he is uh, he's in action, and you've just mentioned obviously the fight that is underneath uh, them on that undercard, a legitimate world title effort, which sees the return of Amir Khan's old four Lamont Peterson's back in the mix, boy. Yep. He deserves to be back in the mix as well. It's a good opportunity for him, this one. A massive opportunity. 
Uh, Avanessian has obviously got UK links. He's uh, he's managed by Neil Marsh, based up out of the northwest, so you know, around my neck of the woods. Mm. And uh, good fighter, you know, he's, he's a good fighter, and I think Lamont Peterson's got his work cut out, obviously, in order to snaffle that title away from him. I think if uh, Lamont Peterson turns up on his best day, it's it's still a tough fight. Yeah. You know, I, I think. Uh, I think he's way past his best day, unfortunately. I think Avanesian's really much just on the climb. You know, there's a Russian kid. I remember seeing this Avanesian fight in Liverpool, in a hotel in Liverpool. Was it was it regulated or was it just a scrap in the uh, in the bar? Yeah, it was in the bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, a, with a doorman. Yeah. No, it was it was a dinner show in Liverpool promoted by uh, Stephen Vaughan. Wow. You know, it was very much a low level. You know, probably there probably wasn't even a journalist there covering the fight. You know, I was there having a beer myself, and uh, you know, he fought on that bill. And How long ago was, was this? Two thousand and four. Fucking hell, that's time. Yeah, and uh, he fought on that card then, and he was, I think, he'd lost. One or two. What, what, last one of his first fights. But basically, he was this undefeated. You know, he, he was relatively undefeated. It was like an 18-fight run or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, And, uh, you know, they were talking about him being something. And, he, you know, on the night, I think he won on... He, he didn't He didn't knock the kid out anyway, or I don't remember him knocking the kid out. So it didn't really stand out, but it was only last year, obviously, when he fought Shane Mosley for the world title. I was like, is that the same kid I see in box? On a dinner show in Liverpool in front of about 80 people. While you were getting knee-deep in Wicked. Exactly. <laughs> <And> diamond <laughs> Red. Loving exactly. It. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was. It was the same fella anyway. Wow. He beat Shane Mosley, won the uh, won the interim title and this weekend. The fighting, he fights Lamont Peterson for the full title. And as I say, Lamont Peterson from five years ago is not the same fighter that he will face this weekend. So I actually fancy uh, Avanyesian to, uh, to win that world title belt. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Thank you very much for listening to our little podcast. Much appreciated. If you subscribe already, thank you. The support is absolutely much love. We've been doing this a year now. It's yeah. To be fair, it's flown, hasn't it? It has flown. It's crazy. Yeah, it has mm. flown, yeah. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for all your support over the last year. We continue to obviously progress this year, hopefully, and you're going to come on a little bit of a journey. With us. If you've only just stumbled across this, then go to our website, fightdisciples.com. There's loads of stuff on there, all our past podcasts. There's some blogs on there. There'll be some videos coming your way very, very soon. There's ways to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss out on any of our stuff. And there's also um, directions to our social media on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. We are at Fight Disciples, so come and join the party on a day-to-day basis. You can take the mick out myself. You can take the mick out of uh, Nick on a, on, a, on, a, on a weekly day-to-day. It's up to you, mate. You can do whatever you want. This is your show. We yep. just facilitate it. You know, we just have a little bit of a crack on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we also, by the way, have um, a radio programme that is specific to the Merseyside area. So if you're into the Merseyside boxing scene, because there's some talent coming out of there at this moment in time, and it's obviously driven by Nick. He, he, he talks about it on a, on a week-to-week basis, telling us all about these wonderful scousers that are knocking people out for fun. Uh, we have this radio show on a Tuesday evening. We do upload it as a podcast, which you can get as part of the free subscription. And this week, check this out, right? We are branching out. We even got Nick's cousin involved in interviewing some guys. Elliot's gone down to the press conference for the Liam Smith-Liam Williams fight, which is coming up, obviously, on April the 8th in Manchester. But the press conferences have been this week, one in Cardiff um, on Tuesday. On Monday, it was in Liverpool. So there was a little bit of a chat with those boys, and you can hear what they had to say on our uh, Radio City talk show, which is available via subscription. 
go to our yeah, website. Just uh, my cousin Elliot is a journalist as well. So oh yeah, yeah, we're not just we're, like we just roped in one of the lads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we would do that because you know what I mean. That's what we should do. That's that's an idea actually going forward. Seeing as that we're a year old now, what we should do if we can't get to certain press conferences, i.e. London or Newcastle or the Ricky Burns stuff coming up in Scotland. Vegas. Yeah, well, Vegas, yeah, of course. But if um, if you're Scottish and you live up in Glasgow and uh, you can get to the Hydro Centre for us, we'll yeah. get we'll get you a, an accreditation. You go and do the interview for us. I think that'd be mint. Yeah, we should we should really branch out, yeah. We should branch out. There you go. We, we reach out to us on social media. That's if it, you're man. interested, if there's a press conference in your town yeah. and you want to go and you want to be contribute to the Fight Disciples and yeah, get it. out there and do some interviews and be a part of the show, reach out to us on social media. We'll make that happen. That's a cracking idea. At the end of the day, as you say, we're just the facilitators. That's it. We're, we are just the, the hosts of the Fight Disciples. We are the entity, the group, everyone that follows us. We are all Fight Disciples together. So, yeah, man, get involved. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.